Okay, Boker Tov, we continue in Moid Katan. We are now in the Gemara on Dach Beisam at Aleph. We're discussing which types of fields you can irrigate on Chol Hamoed. And uh, we mentioned if they were fields that need irrigation, and if they will not be irrigated, that you will incur a, a significant financial loss. You may irrigate them, but uh, only certain types of irrigation is allowed. And we said you couldn't do irrigation from a well or certain things like this. Gamora now is going to ask and try to determine who is the... Done already? Wow. Uh, who, who is the author of the Mishnah? Because the author seems to say two important points. And what are those two important points? Uh, however, before we get to that, the Moore's going to ask just a technical question on the Mishnah. The Mishnah talked about you can, uh, if you have a field that needs irrigation, you can use from a new spring or an old spring. So Gamora now asks the following question. Now, if you're allowed to use a newly emerged spring, where there's reason to think maybe you couldn't use it, why, what is the potential problem with a newly emerged spring? It's possible to usilin pule. There's a fear the walls of the spring can collapse because it's new. It's not, you're not exactly sure the strength level of it. Yet the Mishnah said, Mashkin, you can nevertheless water it on Cholamoyed, even though maybe we should have been concerned that the spring has not yet established a permanent course and the walls can collapse. And if the walls collapse on Cholamoyed, that's going to require extensive repair and exertion or else you're going to lose your field. So maybe we should not have allowed you to use irrigate from a newly established spring but he said you could so already said a newly established spring is okay so so why does the Mishnah have to also mention a spring that is not newly emerged it's already been there for a while it's not likely it's going to fall at all me boy why would it be necessary to say that just say you do a new spring. Yep. Once I know a new spring, then I figure an old spring's not a problem. So why do you got to mention both? So Gamora's going to answer, yeah, of course, for that sentence, you're right. But remember, but the opposite, we only said you can use a spring for a field that requires irrigation. But what about a field that has rain? So we, by saying that these two types of springs are okay for an irrigating field, we understand they're not good for a regular rain field. Both of them are not good. But if you only mentioned one for the irrigating field, I might think maybe the other one could be used for a rain field. That's what Moore's going to say. I'm reinstruct. Moore answers, no, it is necessary. Why? If the Mishnah only would have mentioned a newly emerged spring... So I would say, Hava, I mean, I would think, Hacha now, who the base hashlochim in, base habalo. So I think for a newly emerged spring, an irrigated field, you could do it. 
but a but a rainwatered field not. Why? Because maybe the spring could collapse. Meaning, for a rain field, why should I be able to use it? It might collapse and you don't really need it. But for an irrigating field, that's when I allow it. But if that's the only thing we mentioned, that it could be used, so that's the only thing that maybe is excluded from the rain field. If we would not have mentioned, but, a, but a, a spring that is not newly emerged. And we didn't bother saying it. It may, it's not likely to fall. Then Amai might have mistakenly thought, even a rainwater field can water from it, if I didn't mention it. Therefore, we mentioned both the newly and the old one. To teach me, lo shna mayin It doesn't matter a newly formed spring. Or an old spring. The rule is base hashlochem in an irrigated field. Yes, base habal lo a water a rainwatered field. No. Okay. So in other words, that's why you're right for the fact for a irrigating field. I wouldn't have to say both. If I just say a new one, I know for sure an old one. But if I only said a new one, I think an old, a new one is own is okay by a watered field, but not uh, with a rain field. But the other case, which was not mentioned, which is an old one, maybe is okay by both. Maybe it's even okay by a rainwater field, and that's not the halachas. Therefore, we have to mention both can be used by an irrigating field to to tell us clearly that both are not good for a rainwater field. Okay, that takes care of that technical question. What's the problem with using the, why would it cause it to collapse? Because it's not used to the the spring, just started springing. But what are you doing? You're just taking water? Yeah. Water is powerful. What, you're diverting the water? Or? Yeah. yeah, you're making the water become a spring. You can't just take a spring and let it just go by itself. It has to be, you have to construct something around it so the spring only, per, you go to certain springs around the world, you see they construct things around it so the water goes out in this way. But if you don't, so you have to construct something. So if it's new, the spring is still not yet determined its final path, and then it could break through the walls. And then you'd have all kinds of effort required to fix it on Cholamoy. So that's why we're saying both cases. Now the Gemara digresses again to a small point. We said that the word base hashlochim means a, a field that needs to be re- irrigated, and a base abal means one that gets from rain. Now the Gemara just wants to know the source of the language. It's just a language question. How do we know that Beis HaShlochim means it's an irrigating field and a Beis HaBal means it's a rainwater field? That's all. Just a technical language question coming up. Umay Mashba. And where do you find in the Torah an indication, the high Beis HaShlochim, that this term, Beis HaShlochim, Lishna Ditzachusahi, is an expression of thirst. It, literally, Beis HaShlochem means a thirsty house. Literally. So how do you get an irrigating field? Because it's a thirsty house. The land is thirsty. It needs to get drinks because it doesn't get any rain. 
So how do you know that the word shlochim means thirsty? That's all they want to know. The, the Mishnah used a, an unusual term, shlochim, which I wouldn't know what it meant, but the author knew what it meant. It meant a thirsty field. So what's the biblical source that the word shlochim is, means thirsty? Well, it's like this. Dichsiv, it says by Parsha Zohar, when it talks about the Jewish people and how they were attacked, and you were faint and exhausted. Faint in this Pasuk means faint from thirst. That's what the Pasuk means. You're in the desert. You were faint from thirst. Remember, that's when the Jews went three days without water. So on the word oyef, meaning thirsty, what's the Aramaic targum to it? What's the Aramaic word that describes thirsty? The Targum says, and you were Mishalhei. You were Mishalhei Velohei. You were Mishalhei, meaning thirsty, and exhausted. So Mishalhei means thirsty. And we know the letters Ches and Hey are interchangeable. So the word Shalhei, which we find Uncle says means faint from thirst, is similar to the word Shlochim which means a thirsty field. So let's just want to know that that's the Aramaic. How do we know the Aramaic mean, word for shlachim means thirsty? That's all just a technical question. So now we reverse it. What about Beis Habal? Okay, how do you know that the word Beis Habal literally would mean a house that has an owner, so to speak? Literally, Beis Habal, a house with an owner. But here it means a house, a, a place that's been settled. I mean, the field is satisfied with natural re- rainfall, and there's no need to manually water it. So how do we know that Baal means settled? Okay. Dixiv, it says in Isaiah, ki yival, that's the word, Baal, Bacher Basula, as a young man, lives with a virgin, so shall your children live in you. Okay, just as the Pashib shot is, just as a young man and a virgin are a fitting match, so to Bnei Yisrael and the land of Israel are suited for each other. So what's the critical word here? Ki yival. Yival. And what's the targum of the word yival? Umetargaminam are kama demitos of olam ulam uleim im besulta as a young man, the mitosav olam settles down with a virgin, so will your children settle in with you. So the term baal means uh, settle down. It means the man settles down with her. So a base baal refers to a field that is settled. Okay, so so far the Gemara has done two things for us. It's explained to us why when it says you can use a spring, it says a new spring and an old spring. Why had to say both? So it won't make a mistake by a settled field. It also has told us that the word shlochim means a thirsty field in Aramaic and baal means settled field in Aramaic. Very nice. Okay, we've taken care of the technical issues of the Mishnah. Now we're coming to the more important issue is we want to know who the author of this Mishnah is. There's no name to the Mishnah. And the Mishnah has said two specific rules about Cholamite. 
to which Gemara would allow like to know, man tana, who is the tana that says, dipseda in, that if there's a financial loss, then you may perform the labor on Cholamoid, but harvocha, but to profit, lo, you may not perform labor, as we saw from the Mishnah. The Mishnah was talking about you can only water an irrigation field, a field that must continually be irrigated, and if you don't irrigate it, the field will be damaged. But not a base, but not a rain field where extra water will improve it beyond. So that's like profit. So you only see the malacha that's to avoid loss. That's one point the Mishnah said. And also, even if there is a loss, you can't just do it carte blanche. Even if it's a case of the irrigating field where there could be a financial loss, but we didn't say every possible way of watering was allowed because we said you may not excessively exert yourself where it said you could use a spring but you couldn't use a well because the well is excessive exertion. So we saw from this Mishnah two important rules about Cholamite. You can only do work on Cholamite that will prevent a financial loss but not to provide a profit. And even in a case of financial loss, only if it doesn't require a lot of exertion. So who is the Tana that says this? We want to know who that author is. The Gemara is going to give one attempt to who the author is, to it, and the Gemara will say that's not a proof, and then they're going to bring another source which will tell us the proof. So we're trying to determine who is the author of that Mishnah. So Amar Ravuna, Ravuna suggests the following. He says the author of the Mishnah is Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. It's Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Why? Because we have a Mishnah of, of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov on Dafava Midbeis. And it would seem that what he says would be make sense to be the author of this Mishnah. It says later on, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, he says, Okay, we're now talking about, let's say, on Cholamoid, you have a large amount of water is gathered under one tree. And it's more water than you need by that tree. The earth could be like a little bit sloped, whatever. So you got a big, a wave, you got a little pool by the tree. Now, the owner of the field would like to divert the water from that tree and make a little, uh, what do you call it, indentation, channel with your foot, not not with a shovel, just take his foot and just spread it across so he can direct the water to the other trees. Okay, now, and we're talking about trees that cannot subsist on rainfall alone, so they need extra watering, so therefore it's permitted. So what can you do? So you can divert the water from one tree to another. However, so that is uh, diverting it. Provided he doesn't water the entire field. Okay? Because now that's not only uh, uh, avoiding a financial loss, but you're improving the productivity of the field and not preventing a loss, because the main thing was the trees. Okay, the area between the trees may not be watered. 
since to ensure that the trees not be harmed, it's sufficient to water the area directly beneath the trees. Why would you want to water the area in between? It would be to increase the tree's productivity because the tree's roots extend out to this area and would drink up this water as well. That already is forbidden. That's already improving the tree. We're just talking about maintaining the tree. I'm not a botanist. I don't know all the rules of irrigation. The roots go up wide. Yes. Right, but to keep it productive, just water the area next to the tree. You want to make it better, because now when it's getting the roots, I guess it'll make the tree bigger. You're allowed to make it that the fruits are going to grow. It's a fruit tree. You want the fruits to grow. That only has to water right there. But now you really, if you're watering more, you want the roots to get more. And now you're making an overall improvement over the whole thing. So now, now, one second. So the rabbis in the Mishnah permitted even watering the entire field, for they allow the performance of labor even to prove it's a machlokas in that Mishnah. That Mishnah, we only brought Rabbi Lozer ben Yaakov's opinion. He says you can only divert the water from tree to tree, but the rabbi said you could even water the whole field because there's a machlokas. This idea that I just said in our Mishnah, you can only do things to avoid a loss but not to add productivity, that is a machlokas, as we'll see on Dafav Amid Aleph. The Chachamim say you can even water the whole field. What do you mean water the whole field? But that's inclu- increasing productivity. To that, Rebbe Lozov and Yaakov disagrees. He says you can only divert it with your foot. That's okay. Now the first point that we're mentioning is, so therefore it's to keep that you don't have a financial loss, but you can't do it to improve the field. And therefore, there's a machlokes there. And now our Mishnah that says you can only do a rain, uh, an irrigating field and not a rainwater field, that seems only to avoid financial loss and not to increase its productivity, would only be going according to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. That seems to be a proof from our Mishnah. However, remember, our Mishnah says two points. You can do malacha to avoid a loss, but there's a second point to the Mishnah that you can't what? You can't do excessive work. The question is, did we prove that point from that Mishnah? Amor, I might say, it's not a proof. Okay, clearly that Mishnah is a machlokas. Can you, Im- can you improve profiting on it? To which Rabbi Lazar said, no. That's clearly because he says you can't water the entire field just for the sake of increasing productivity. That is clearly stated. We'll grant you that. But the author of our Mishnah said a second point. What about Tircha B'makam Pseida Mishaminale? Where did you hear, though, that from that Mishnah that he's forbidding exertion? Remember, there's two points our Mishnah said. If you can do it only for to avoid financial loss and not for extra profit, point one, and point two, even to avoid a loss, it can only be without excessive exertion. But from that Mishnah, we only see the first point. You don't see the second point. We don't know how much exertion it takes to make the water go from one tree to the next. It didn't, if he would have specifically said the only way to do it, Maybe he may say you could only do it without exertion, but he didn't state it there. 
The only thing that Mishnah states is that only to avoid financial loss. And we know, and he argues on the rabbis who said you could water the whole field, which is to profit. But we don't have a proof that you cannot do excessive work in a place where there's a loss coming. So there's no proof from that Mishnah. It's only a half a proof, but not a full proof. Now, so that is out. That's not a proof. The next Mishnah doesn't prove anything. So now comes along Rav Papa. He's going to bring a Brisa with a three-way Machlokas. And in the three-way Machlokas, now we will prove who the author of our Mishnah is. El Amar Rav Papa comes along Rav Papa and he says, this is who the Mishnah is like. Hamani, who is our Mishnah that requires both of these rules? Rabbi Yehudahi. It is Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Titania, for we have a Brisa. A Brisa says, Mayan Hayotse Batchila, a spring that is just emerging. Okay, our Mishnah said you can use it to water an irrigating field. So the Brisa says, Mashkin Mimenu, you can water from it. Afilu Sada base Habao even a rain-watered field. Very lenient opinion. That's certainly not our Mishnah. He's <laughs> saying you can, you can first of all use a new spring. Yeah. Okay, so that's fine. But he's saying even for a rain-water field. And that clearly is going to improve the value. That, 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 whose opinion is that? Dear Rabbi Meir. That's Rabbi Meir. That, our Mishnah is for sure not Rabbi Meir. Because he's saying even an irrigating field you can water. So that's going to be out. But we got other opinions. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rav Papa says it's going to be Rabbi Yehuda. But you got to see, you got to see the whole brisa. Rabbi Omer, nothing doing. Ein mashkin elasoda beisashluchim shechorva. One may water only an irrigated field that dried up. We'll see what that means a little bit later on. What does it mean, an irrigated field that dried up? But he says, that's the only one you can water, only a field that requires irrigation, not a rain-watered field. So that would seem, at least to be one of the two points of our Mishnah, that you can water a irrigating field. Okay, but we still would need the second point. Now, Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah Omer, Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah, third opinion says, Neither one. Now we're not sure exactly what that means exactly. The Gemara is going to have to explain what he means by not this and not this. Now, second point is, yes, sir, Alkin. So that's the first three-way machlokas. The Brisa adds, and Rabbi Yehuda says one more point to add to what he says. If you are going, if you can irrigate still, Lo yif ne adam emes hamayim v'yishka l'guinaso ulchurbaso b'chol hamoed. A person may not clean out an irrigation canal and water from his garden or for or his ruin on chol hamoed. Now he had an irrigation canal, and what happened? It could, the irrigation canal became clogged with mud or debris. Just because you make a canal doesn't mean it's always going to be clear. So it could be filled with mud and debris, and that causes the water not to flow so well. So Rabbi Huda says you cannot dredge it in order to water the garden or a rune from it. 
Okay, that's one way of learning. Is and that, yes, and that's it's a lot of work to clean out dredge. So either you say that we read it as yifane or yafne, which could mean we do not divert an irrigation canal towards his garden or ruin. Now a garden or a ruin, which is a plot of land upon which a house once stood, and then after the house collapsed, was cleared and used for planting. Oh, it's not a ruined field. Such a place, that's what it means, requires constant watering. It wasn't established essentially as an irrigation, as a garden. It was a house. House, you don't need to water right. very much. Yeah. So now he needs a lot of water. Yeah. Okay? So, but now you can't fix up. Either you can't take the, to dredge it or divert. Either way... Although the person will suffer a financial loss, he cannot do the dredging or diverting because that's excessive force. And this is the two statements of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, you can only water an irrigating field. That's what he said. He called it again. He says, Sada beis hashlochim Shechorva means we already know what it means. The house was destroyed, but now it needs water. That only, so that's to avoid financial loss, but it's not to make a profit. And now he added a second statement that you can't dredge out the canal, which would be excessive work, or you couldn't divert it. So clearly that is the, 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 the proof our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda from this Brisa, because he said both statements independently. Hey, Rabbi, so, Rabbi. Yeah. So, you see all the time in Gemara that they say, uh, Rabbi so-and-so said in the name of so-and-so, they just make these statements that he said this, and they, they always make these statements just like that. Well, could, no, but in these this were, case, they do a whole analysis to find out who said it. Right? Yeah. So, 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 so my question is, why is this particular case such a mystery as to who said it, whereas normally it's very straightforward. They just quote people, just outright. It depends. The, the author of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yudhanasi, did not put a name over there. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, it's important to know who is the author. Right. Now, you may ask, why did he not put the name right. over there? Right. So usually, the rule is, because if you find a machlokas somewhere else, like you're going to find at Davav You see the machlokas between uh, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, for example. Can you, want, can you work for Chomwe to make profit or not? You see there's a machlokas there, right? So there's a rule. If you have a machlokas in one Mishnah, and then a Mishnah, it's a statement without a name, that kind of is telling us, Rabbi Yehuda is saying, and that's how we rule. So it's, it's in other words, he seems to be saying, we also need to know who the author is. We always need to know the authors to avoid possible uh, contradictions. If an author says something somewhere else, if we know who the author of this Mishnah is, do we know, okay, it's going according to this opinion. So if someone would want to ask a question on Rabbi Mayer, how could Rabbi Mayer make this statement? Well, Rabbi Mayer is over there, and Rabbi Huda is over there. It's important to know who the authors are if it's possible. So I want to know who is the author of that Mishnah, and it would be seeming to say Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, not to confuse Rabbi Yehuda, is saying, well, that would probably be the halacha like that. So now, now we know who the author is. We now we know there's a machlokas tanoim. If you can do work on Cholamoy for profit, 
are only for maintaining. And we see this Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, is authoring it Stam without a name to show it's the author is Rabbi Yehuda, and that's what we would hold like. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're up to at this point. We'll have to see. Let's say, is that professional work? Is, is it still running a tractor? What do you call that? That's going to be contemporary Shilas. We'll have to look up. Is that considered a lot of work or not a lot of work? Okay, excellent. Shkoyen. Shkoyen. Shkoyen.